Hey there, Totally Sort of listeners. On this week's episode, Darren and I are going to be gushing about Infinity War. We've both seen it, and all I can say is, wow. We're going to get hot and heavy with lots of spoilery details, and after that, we're going to take a dive into the past with the classic BBC sitcom IT Crowd in our Take Home Top 3. Check it out. Welcome to Totally Sort of the Podcast. It's sort of like a review show and totally like catching up with your best friend. I'm Darren. And I'm Chris. And we're going to let you know what you totally need to check out and what's sort of worth skipping. So I think you have the more impressive random thing this week that you've done. You want to tell us about it? Sure. I just got back from a pretty awesome vacation to Portugal. That is impressive. (laughs) My wife and I, Jen, we flew into Lisbon and we did a whole bunch of hiking uh, down the coast. So it was a pretty awesome experience seeing like just all the nature and everything, but uh, also it was a really good foodie, foodie vacation. Lots of good food? Lots of good food. I always love when I discover like totally new foods to me, and also when I learn a couple of things that I might incorporate into our own cooking. So um, Portugal's really seafood heavy, so um, one of the coolest things that I got to try was moray eel, and I know you like pork and the occasional pig roast so uh you know what cracklin is right i do so i got to have uh moray eel cracklin nice apparently they're kind of a fatty uh fatty little nasty fish but they make delicious cracklin so i enjoyed that enjoyed lots and lots of seafood like octopus and every kind of fish you could imagine and discovered a new dish called duck rice which i plan on making sometime soon what is it's like a really big casserole that's basically just rice and like a roast duck that's been like cooked 12 ways and shredded into tiny little fragments like pulled pork and just mixed up with rice and cooked an extra time and it's just a really hearty plain thing but it's friggin' delicious nice i like that yeah i do like duck yeah it's not something i've ever cooked before but uh i'm inspired to try it so that was probably one of the standouts one of the food standouts, and food was one of the standouts of the overall vacation, so it was a lot of fun. You got one non-food thing that was interesting to tell us about? Probably just the street art in Lisbon. Lisbon itself has a lot of formal and informal street art, so there are a lot of murals and things, but also just a lot of amazing graffiti. Like, there are a lot of buildings that were in the process of being demolished or revitalized or whatever. And one in particular, there's like a whole block of like four buildings that were at street level just covered in kind of tags and the kind of graffiti you see anywhere. But floors two to five of these five-story buildings were just covered in, I'm assuming, fairly impromptu murals and spray paint art. It was really, really freaking cool to see. I'll uh, post a couple of my favorite pictures on the uh, on the site, maybe to the Instagram feed as well. Right on. How about you? What's uh, What's been going on with you? I had a pretty relaxing weekend last weekend. We went to a friend's cottage and just hung out. Nice. And so I got the chance to read a book. And it's an off-genre book, as in it's not something that we might normally talk about on the show. So I'm going to throw it into this segment. Okay. Uh, The book is called The Order of Nature by Josh Scheinert. Okay. And I should 
give a little caveat here because I'm not a completely objective reader. Josh is the husband of a friend of mine at work. Okay. And I found out he'd written the this book, so I ordered it on Amazon, had a chance to read the whole thing on the weekend at the cottage. So is it a novel or nonfiction? Or? No, it's a novel. Cool. It was really good. The story is about a West African country called the Gambia. Mm-hmm which is an actual country. Mm -hmm. And in the Gambia, homosexuality is illegal. And the story is basically a love story about an American uh, visiting volunteer who's kind of in the closet. He's kind of acknowledged that he's gay to himself, but to nobody else. Mm -hmm. And he falls in love with a bartender at sort of a fancy hotel that the uh, non-locals go as a place to drink and hang out that kind of feels like a western place and the bartender is also somebody kind of uh, fleeing from his small town village and into the big city to try and uh, get away from the more acute prejudice in that small area but there really is no escape in the Gambia from this and the story kind of spirals first it takes you through a love story of the two of them meeting and falling in love and then them coming in conflict with the homophobic and illegality of homosexuality in that country and leads to eventually bad things happening for the two of them. So not a not not a happy read, but a good one. Yeah, just a really, uh, really well done love story. And then just some really interesting take on how it goes horribly wrong as a result of the situation they find themselves in. Yeah. Really well written, too. Uh, this is his first novel. Josh is, as I understand, he's a lawyer as well. He actually taught as a visiting professor in the Gambia as a okay. lawyer at the law school, and so had that sort of experience of being there. It's not autobiographical or anything, but it is a story based on his experiences of being a gay man in the Gambia and feeling that sort of oppression hmm. and well written in the sense that it abandons the typical three act structure that you get with uh, most things movies books comics these days and you kind of get the second act at the beginning the first act in the middle and then intermingled with the third act at the end and it has the effect of kind of throwing you off in the same way that the characters are thrown off throughout the course of the story. And that non-sequential storytelling can be a little overdone and it's been adopted by a lot of people and a mm -hmm. lot of things, but it really works for this particular story. Cool. Yeah, it was just a really good read. Like I said, I went through it in a weekend because I basically couldn't put it down. And anytime we weren't doing something specifically with people at the cottage, I was on the couch reading it. That's awesome. So I would recommend it for sure. It's called The Order of Nature, and the name comes from the way the law in Gambia is, is framed. Homosexuality is described as uh, crimes against the order of nature, and so The Order of Nature becomes the title of the book. A uh, really good read, for sure. Okay, so uh, why don't we move into The Week in Geek? Absolutely, and I think we both have, uh, as our primary Week in Geek activity, a movie that came out this week. A little something called The Infinity War. 
And this time we have both seen it. We've both seen it. I just finished watching it about five hours ago. We had a little discussion beforehand, and we have decided that this is not going to be a spoiler-free review of Infinity War. No. I mean, I think, eh, I I, I don't feel the need to apologize for this. I think the people who want to see it are probably going to see it pretty soon, and the people who haven't seen it yet can probably survive putting this podcast on hold for a week or so while they do. So. So if you haven't seen Infinity War yet, and you don't want it to be spoiled, stop listening now. Yes, and go see it, because holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, we the, Usually we prep these things a little bit in advance. In this case, we haven't talked about it at all. Nope. I, this movie has me gushing in a fanboy way that a Marvel movie has, hasn't done for a very long time. This was awesome. So I think the primary question you have to ask with this movie, because... We've had 10 years of basically set up for this, 15 movies to set us up for this. For you, did this pay off the setup? I think totally, and then some. Yeah, I absolutely agree. When I I went through and wrote down things that I liked about it and things that I was less than impressed about it, and the things that were complaints were tiny, trivial little things, and the things that I love were just, I could put, 50 things on that list. All right, why don't we do this? Give me three things that you loved about it. Okay, so one thing, just because it kind of answers your question, is that I felt like almost every character or group of characters, we got to see like the best scene of that character that we've seen ever. So in many cases, like we saw better Guardians than some of the Guardians movies or better Doctor Strange than in the Doctor Strange movie. So it just felt like it at the time. Like everyone we saw, I felt like we were seeing an amazing scenes with them. So that was one thing. The second thing that I just loved was Gamora. And a few things. I liked the casting and the performance of the baby or the child Gamora. That just really, really worked for me. It was good casting and it gave her some depth and it gave her relationship with Thanos some depth. I don't know. What did you think of that? Yeah, I've been waiting to see that since I saw the trailer clip with the little green hand holding Thanos' finger. I See, I didn't even catch that, but that was that was great, that whole thing. Um, and I think Thanos himself, just a good bad guy. I admit I've never really been that into any of the Thanos stories from the comic universe. And he was just like, yeah, whatever. He was just a plot device for these big crossover stories. But the performance and the CGI, and he was cool and interesting and compelling. Yeah, he absolutely was. And I say that coming as a fan of Thanos. I mean, I devoured the whole Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity Mm -hmm. War series, and then the later stuff with the Guardians of the Galaxy and Thanos. And I feel like they've solved their villain problem people always talk about how marvel lacks compelling villains Mm -hmm. but if you look at the last three marvel movies you have hella in thor ragnarok who was great you have from black panther killmonger and then you have thanos in the infinity war there really isn't better trifecta of villains that you can imagine in yeah, that is a great uh, a great trio. How about you? What would your uh, top three be? For me, it was the most comic booky of the Marvel movies so far. Yeah. Where it was anything that you would have seen and thought in a comic book that you're like, they can never do that. They did. So whether it's we're going to have 25 characters in the same movie. 
and we're going to write a story that involves them all, and we're going to keep you involved with all of those characters. When every time you thought, I don't feel like I've seen Doctor Strange for a while. The next scene was Doctor Strange. Like, I thought they managed to put that many characters in and still give you enough time with all of those characters and some actual character development with each of those characters that I didn't feel like they skimped on anything with those. And that's very comic book thing, right? To have that many characters in a book and they put it on the screen and did it. I think they were really smart in how they grouped people out, and some of the groupings were great. I really loved the Doc Strange, Iron Man, Spidey combo, Um, and then when they met Guardians too. I mean, like, that little grouping was fantastic to follow. Each of the groups of characters that you saw together was like a Marvel team-up episode Mm -hmm. in the comics. Uh, Almost fully realized story with just those characters. So there was that, and then there was the locations like in a comic book you're like let's do a book and then translate into a movie where we're going to go to six different planets and we're going to have sets for all of them we're going to show you big battles big comprehensive actions on each of these six planets and then Mm -hmm. they did it they put it up on the screen and it, it all looked so good like, yeah. I, I think it. We, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Justice League and how it was just kind of so-so. And I ended up watching uh, one of my neighbors on the flight back from our vacation was watching Justice League. So I ended up re-watching half of it. And I was just struck again by how kind of just under underwhelming the, the action was and the visuals. And Zack Snyder is usually really good at those things. But like all those locations you talked about, Whenever they went to some new location, you know, I was just kind of, my jaw was hanging hanging open looking at the ruined Titan or the pre-ruined Titan or the, you know, the death plane where he goes to visit Gamora. It was just, oh, they looked great. They did. And then finally, the action scenes, which is a little bit of what you talked about. That stuff was straight out of a comic. Those massive battles and then smaller battles and coming down to the end when they go back to Titan and have that battle with Thanos where... It's like you could see in a comic, you know, a writer going, Thanos pulls the moon out of the sky and smashes it down on them and then go, okay, let's do that in a movie. And they did. And it looked fantastic. And then once it smashed and the gravity was obviously messed up and things were just floating everywhere and the the moon crumble is raining down, it was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was so well done. Um, yeah, the new characters, the the children of Thanos were pretty cool. A lot of the battles were awesome. Okay, so you had the scope and number of characters. The locations. Locations and what, what and else? And the battles. The battles, yeah. I, all that stuff, like, really, I was amazed thinking back on it as I was sitting through the credits at the end. Just amazed at how much action they packed into that and that it didn't get old. Like, I've seen action movies that had great action but it still kind of gets tiring at times and that was just like just kept the excitement level right up through the whole thing it was a two hour and 40 minute movie that felt like it was about an hour and 45 minutes yeah just amazing yeah i just i loved seeing dr strange really i feel like in his debut standalone movie it was kind of cool and trippy, but we didn't get any sense of his power level. And seeing him play with everyone else in the in the Marvel Universe in this, we really got a sense of his power level. I loved that. I loved how many of his different powers that they've showcased in the comics over the years you got to see him do in this movie. Yes, I did you did you catch any specific spell references in particular? <laughs> I can't remember the spell references, but the 
the one that jumped out for me was uh, the Crimson Bands of Sitarak. Yes. The kind of ropey tentacles he he held uh, Thanos with at one at one point. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Just, a, I mean, another thing in terms of what Marvel does right with these movies, the surprises in the movie were not at all spoiled by the trailers. They The trailers, to some extent, were a bit misleading at times. Yeah. Because the trailer made it sound like there was that quote from Iron Man that was like, we have one advantage, he's coming to us. And it kind of gave you the sense from the trailers that they were kind of waiting on Earth for Thanos to come to them. The whole idea of Tony Stark mm-hmm. heading off to space to go fight him was like totally hidden in the trailers. And the trailers gave you an idea of what the movie was going to be like. And then the movie still managed to surprise you repeatedly. Yeah, that's a good point. Because I've, I've been kind of... Um complaining a lot about trailers lately that feel like they're giving you uh, a play-by-play a detailed synopsis of the whole thing and although I definitely watched all the trailers for this more than once yeah there were still a lot of great surprises and what did you think of the returning I would say the returning character that nobody saw coming in this film Uh, as in Red Skull yes that was pretty cool. That was a cool reveal. That was really cool. I think I'd read maybe a, a hint somewhere that he might be showing up, but I'd forgotten about it and didn't didn't see it coming at all. I'm glad he's still around because uh, that performance and that character was great. I like to think that we might see him again in another flick. Yeah, me too. I, I don't know if we're going to see Captain America again, but... Well, I don't know. I So I guess the, the big question now is what the hell... Are Marvel movies going to be doing until the next Avengers movie? Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, which is really going to suffer by comparison, but it's a different kind of movie. Anyways. Yeah. (laughs) And then uh, Ms. Marvel are the only two that come out before uh, Avengers uh, 4 comes out. Really? May May 31st next year. Oh, okay. I didn't realize uh, they had them slotted in that tight. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good because uh, the, I mean the main the main spoiler would be like everybody's dead. <laughs> I I really wonder. I mean, I know the the Captain Marvel movie is actually set in the nineties, yes. so it's going to be out of sequence with this film, so it won't have to touch on it at all. Yeah, which was smart. Guessing that's probably all part of the long term planning was that oh we'll we'll set the Captain Marvel movie back in time so that it won't be affected by this. And then you think about the genius of Feige's curation of this universe that when you when we originally heard Captain Marvel was going to be set in the 90s it was kind of like well why but it fits into what they've done in this movie and then they give you an end credit sequence that makes it make sense and makes you want to see what the connection is to her and Nick Fury like yeah Agreed. Although I, one of my few quibbles with the movie was just I'm getting a little tired of sitting through credits just <laughs> like it was a, it was a perfectly fine post credit sequence but you know it could have been a mid credit sequence it could have been a mid credit sequence oh one other thing i i really was pleasantly surprised by in this one was i thought that was one of the better stanley cameos we've seen yeah it was good sometimes they feel like they're kind of eye roll cringy they're all i i'm always happy to see him show up and it's always kind of fun to watch for him but that i just laughed out loud at that one i like that yeah I was a little not put off that none of the Marvel TV universe, which we all have been led to believe and understand to take place in the same universe, but none of the Netflix characters, uh, no Coulson, 
back from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that none of those characters at all appeared. Maybe they are the recruits that they need now that half of the heroes have disappeared for the second one. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, Yeah, I hear you in that. It would have been neat, but... I think they had a lot of characters to get in there as it was. I think the only other thing I wasn't totally crazy about was uh, the new Stormbreaker. I thought it was a little a little large, a little cartoony, but, you know, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I was fine with that. Yeah. I think as in terms of everyone watching this, if you hadn't seen Thor Ragnarok, that beginning would have been totally confusing to you. Sure, yeah. And even for me, I mean, it's been... I think a year since Thor Ragnarok came out, it took me a minute to orient to, wait a second, what, what, oh, right, right, that's what happened. That's why the Asgardians are all on a ship. And uh, so even I was kind of spinning my wheels for a few minutes before my brain caught up because it really just jumps right into something that you, if you don't know what's going on, it was pretty confusing. Yeah, I think uh, when I said earlier how this movie just had me gushing um, like a fanboy, I think, you know, often I feel the need to evaluate Marvel movies both as a comic book adaption and as a movie in and of itself. And this one, it was just so fun from the get-go. I didn't even consider that. It was just full-on nerdgasm, you know, just enjoying it the whole time. But yeah, there really was, there was no attempt to to uh, apologize or explain for anybody who wasn't up to speed on their Marvel lore in this one. Uh, it was just, nope, we got a lot of stuff to do and we can't be bothered to explain it all. And that was great. I mean, there's no other way they could have fit everything into a movie if they had to try oh. and backstory and, and explain things. So yeah, I think it would be a little difficult for somebody who didn't know something about Thor's background and Ragnarok in particular and hadn't seen any of the Guardians movies you know what I mean so yeah it wasn't necessarily done for those people it's like we've been going 10 years to do this you got 15 movies if you can't keep up then maybe you need to go to a go to a giant 29 hour marathon like they had in los angeles i think at the man's chinese theater oh, yeah yeah mark bernardin from uh, fat man on batman was there for the full 29 hours they did it for charity for yeah. people to sit through the whole thing and he went and he would do a check-in on twitter photograph of himself outside the theater uh with the hashtag signs of life cool <laughs> I'll, I'll say one more thing yeah uh, this is not by way of criticism but it was definitely as i thought black panther was it moved away from the very family friendly nature of the a lot of the previous marvel films not that it was you know out there and deserving an r rating but it was definitely darker uh like uh, Black Panther was it definitely had some some deaths and some violence that were a little more topically at least mm-hmm. uh, harder to deal with I know my youngest for both Black Panther and this not that he thought not that he was scared but he was a little upset like that scene with Spider-Man dying that's uh that was pretty harsh sure uh Vision also uh that was pretty yeah you know not gory but unpleasant yeah and even Gamora, like having Thanos push her off the thing and fall to her death and seeing her sort of oddly yeah. twisted body lying at the bottom there. That was, I mean, there was that kind of stuff in Black Panther as well. And I think the last two movies, they've not been that sort of fully family friendly film, which I I mean, I don't necessarily have a problem with. But if you do have young kids, it is not all happiness and sunshine. No. 
you're moving towards a plot where Thanos kills half the people in the universe. Yeah. And so my wife also thought that it was dark from the beginning. She got the sense very early that it was inevitable that Thanos was going to win and felt like it was kind of a downhill descent into losing, essentially. The other thing that I thought was well done, and, you know, I'm very good at blinkering myself on films and just kind of being in the moment and, uh, like, for example, I was one of the very few people apparently in the world who who didn't realize that Bruce Willis was a ghost in Sixth Sense. Things like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't see the twists coming. Anyways, I, you know, when they reworked, this was originally, uh, the films were originally going to be called sort of Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2 or something like that. And there was some hubbub a while ago that they'd renamed them and it wasn't a Part 1 and Part 2 and... And I had just kind of went, oh, okay, they're just breaking it up a little bit and we're going to get Infinity Wars in this one and we're going to get something else in the next one. I was really actually caught off guard by how much happened in the, the final, you know, 10, 15 minutes and how massive of a cliffhanger it was. I really th- thought things were going to resolve. So yeah. I'm, I thought they did a good job with that. And I really, uh, boy, it's going to be a tough act to follow, uh, both in terms of the sequel Uh, the next Avengers one, and in terms of where do they go from here? Like, that's the only problem with these massive crossover events is do they just make everything else seem lame in comparison? Yeah, I have to believe that there's a plan as to where it goes next, and my suspicion is that it's another long-term plan building towards another big event is what we're going to see. I guess. I guess that's possible, and ultimately the way this has played out in... The movie universe has been a lot more fulfilling and enjoyable than the big crossovers do in in the comic universe. For me, that was kind of what turned me off of reading Marvel books uh, on an ongoing basis was getting tired of these crossovers. But, you know, really, this was a lot of little, little clues dropped along the way and chained together in great standalone movies for one awesome payoff. So, uh, you know, hats off to them. They did a great job. Yeah, my hope is that much like we got that glimpse of Thanos sitting in the chair at the end of the first Avengers movie, we're going to get the resolution of all of this in Avengers 4 with whatever name they're eventually going to reveal to us Mm -hmm. and a post-credit sequence that sets us off on the next adventure. Yeah, I've already heard some rumblings that it uh, may be with captain marvel coming into things that it may be a scroll and it may be a secret invasion or something like that so yeah i'd heard that too all right good stuff oh when i got one other thing that i didn't love (laughs) okay (laughs) the the hulk and the like bruce banner trying to turn into the hulk yeah and sort of talking to the hulk I, i don't know that that didn't really work for me no I could see that. Um, didn't really bother me. I was kind of curious about it. And I, I think maybe just setting up something for the next time or maybe for a standalone Hulk movie. Yeah. Um, the only thing that kind of fell flat for me, there were a couple of the jokes that just kind of went thud. And I think it was largely in the scenes with uh, Itri, the dwarf, which was, by the way, a great, great unexpected cameo. Overall, kind of a cool character. But his dialogue was a little little clunky. Peter Dinklage was okay in it. I like the fact that he was just there and him and they didn't kind of explain him away a whole lot. But yeah, some of his dialogue was a little meh. I can see that. But wow, overall, 
so so much fun looking forward to seeing it again i think my favorite one-liner was uh quill calling thanos grimace (laughs) that was good i loved that thor kept referring to rocket as rabbit yes although i was shocked that that rocket didn't try and kill him for it yeah i yeah i mean you go back to some of the character development rocket trying to actually relate to thor you know in a in an empathetic way and it being such a such a forced effort but he was making the effort that was cool that was a neat scene yeah on the next episode we'll talk about our second viewing of the show of the movie (laughs) good stuff well we should probably move on to something else eventually as much as uh, this has been awesome let's put the infinity war behind us for now all right okay so i think it's time for our take home top three this week You've had a little bit of time, a few weeks. I gave you a bit of an oddball this time. Yeah, it was the IT crowd, which I, you were in shock and dismay when you found out I hadn't watched. Yeah, this was my kind of um, sneaky way of having a uh, geek intervention on you and saying, man, you got to check out the show. So I have watched a lot of the IT crowd. I'll have to say I haven't seen it all. I've probably fully watched three seasons. And yeah, that's good. A chunk of the fourth a spot episode and i watched a little bit of the one episode fifth yeah. season finale cool last time we talked you'd just seen the first episode or first uh first season so now that you've got a good chunk of it under your belt what do you think i liked it but i didn't really love it yeah i found the laugh track kind of turned me off right from the beginning and i found that a little difficult to get over i mean it's it's definitely really funny at points, but it's just kind of cringy for me at other points where it kind of veers into the completely ludicrous stuff. It kind of feels at those points, I don't want to say derivative because everything is derivative of something, but it kind of felt like a little office mashed in with faulty towers and sort of prototypical British sitcom comedy at times. And those points I was kind of... Yeah, but I, I really like the three main characters. Yeah. Jen, Roy, and, and Moss. I totally get the the love for him. He, they, the three were great, but I didn't really like a lot of the other surrounding characters. Like that guy, Richmond, the sort of goth guy who shows yeah. up for some brief period of time in the second season out of nowhere and then disappears. Like he, I really didn't like him at all. Right. And the boss who kind of comes in after the first boss guy disappears <laughs> douglas like i just he's just such a douchebag that i like i just he, I, he just gets better and better with repeat viewing so my friend <laughs> i just he didn't he wasn't working for me and and so i do have three top three episodes okay and they kind of go with my idea that i found a lot of the inter-office stuff was sort of the most sort of prototypical as i said british sitcom officey faulty towers mishmash what i found i really liked were the scenes where they get out of the office and stuff happens yeah that was another thing with uh with it that kind of was off-putting for me is that the the filming was so different looking in different scenes that it was mishmash two different shows together like i understand that thematically when they would go upstairs there was all this light yeah but the difference between the way those yeah, scenes of the upstairs looked and the way their sort of den in the basement looked, it was like, okay, there you're in a room with windows and here we're clearly on a set. Right. 
Yeah, I can see that being a little jarring, but I don't know. I, I guess I've just been watching the show for 10 years. Um, yeah. Or, yeah, probably 10 years. And it's, yeah, I've just stopped thinking about that part. But it is very different. Uh, I also love when they get out. And uh, I'm kind of wondering where you're going. So what were your uh, what were your top three? Yeah, so my three favorite episodes are, as I said, ones where they get out of the office. So I'll, I'll actually do this in three to one order so number three is uh an episode from the second season moss and the german yes <laughs> which is where they uh because i think they build into it really well and then they do the story really well because the build is that roy and moss are like recognizing that they're behaving like an old married couple <laughs> yeah. and then jen pushes them to go out and meet new people and the roy's continued like i'm the husband i'm the husband in this yeah. relationship was really quite funny and then the whole idea of moss responding to this ad for the german who wants to cook and eat someone and thinking that he actually wants to do german cooking classes with yeah. him was pretty funny I didn't love the other half of that, which was sort of Roy going to the boss's place because I just found Douglas annoying. <laughs> but then the third part to that episode that was going on was Jen and the whole uh, smoking area at the place and the whole like uh, Soviet authoritarianism Siberia and the way the smoking area just gets worse and yeah. worse and the part at the end where she's like wrapping a scarf around her head like an old Russian woman yeah. to go outside and smoke but it kind of like has at the end then part of my problem where the show veers off for me like in the last part of that where now she's walking like five miles to get to the smoking thing along the side of the highway. It was like, you took it too far. But I really liked the earlier parts where yeah. she was just, every time she went out, things were more desolate and the people were more decrepit looking. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, how about number two? Uh, episode number two is the dinner party. Yes. Uh, this is the one where Jen meets this guy and uh, she plans a dinner party with three of her friends and three of his friends. His friends have to bail on the dinner party and she still wants to have it. So she invites the three guys from IT with her and the, the dinner party was hilarious. Like the whole thing was just was just really funny. But the best part, though, was the, the guy's name. So her boyfriend or the guy who's she's uh, dating at the time, his name is Peter File. And when they when Moss is like, Peter File sounds like pedophile. And they just go on and on with this joke about, no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Say it again, Jen. Pedophile. Peter File pedophile yeah. peterphile and she's like it's not it's not the same at all and then it ends with them going on this romantic getaway into uh, to paris and then them paging him over the public address system pedophile pedophile and he's like oh that's me i'm pedophile yeah. yeah i mean they do they do go over the top with these things sometimes but uh see sometimes it works that one mm -hmm. kind of reminded me of like a bart simpson prank call I also like the, the kind of the way they sabotage a lot of Jen's boyfriends. Uh, yep. You know, not even just like uh, that also reminds me of the uh, the magician one where uh, they're like, you know, you, you know, he looks like a magician. And, and from that <laughs> the guy with on, the goatee. Yeah, yeah. From that point on, she can't see him as anything else. Then my uh, number one episode is another uh, in that same vein of them sabotaging Jen's boyfriend. It's the work outing. Uh, yes. This is the one where the guy who she's been trying to get to ask her out finally asks her out to go to a musical. 
and uh, the other two somehow convince him to invite them along too so moss and roy go and uh, they're all like oh he's he's taking you a musical he must be gay and she's like he's not gay everybody goes to see musical and then when they go to the musical <laughs> the musical is called gay <laughs> the gay musical <laughs> it was just it was that was so just, over the top yeah and then the bathroom bit with Roy and Moss at the theater and that there's an attendant in the bathroom so neither of them can pee in front of the attendant so they have to go off and they're like oh we'll just hold it but then Roy finds the disabled bathroom and Moss finds the employee bathroom and in the end Roy ends up having to act like a disabled person and you get this whole scene and then at the end you get Moss standing behind the bar dressed as an employee repeatedly knocking over stacks of glasses <laughs> it was just it was really well done yeah yeah that's a great one that was that was i hope that was going to be on your list because uh and i hoped really you were going to make it into the the second season because really so quickly it i think it just steps up a notch in terms of the quality of the episodes and they do a lot more out of the office too yeah except and so i was looking forward in the third season to more of the out of office episodes but the one i got to that I think kind of was like, eh, maybe I've watched enough. Was the it's something about the real men? Oh no way! This that's the best episode ever. I don't know. Though that he winds up getting involved in a robbery with them, <laughs> and it just like that that was where it went too far. And became... Oh my god! Uh, uh, you're gonna I don't know. I gonna have to agree to disagree with you on this one because I love that episode. I love first of all, I love the bluff ball site. With Moss yeah. learning to uh, to speak football to the other office employees, and I actually use that with a couple of friends all the time. Whenever people we know start talking about sports, we'll just start quoting lines from Bluffball. See, and and I think if that had been the the episode, then I, I would have actually enjoyed it because I was like, I thought it was hilarious up to that point, okay. and then like the scenes with Moss kind of wedged between these guys, and then when they go to the when they actually go to the football game, yeah. and Moss is just like, oh, he's kicked the ball. Oh, I guess that's worthy of applause for some reason. <laughs> like that stuff was great. Yeah. The, oh, come, just no, where come it on. deteriorates so Roy, so into Roy the robbery gets, gets pushed into or uh, coerced or asked actually unknowingly to be the getaway driver for a, a robbery a bank robbery and ends up phoning 911 from the car as the getaway driver that's pretty awesome yeah i also the i also love at the very end as they're getting away and they're trying to not get caught they hear police cars coming so boss like slams roy up against the wall and starts making out with them just so the cops won't see their faces yeah and then afterwards uh Roy's like, couldn't we have just hidden behind those bins? And they, they pan over to some like <laughs> giant dumpster sitting right there. I, that I just love that scene. Yeah, I just thought the robbery took it too far for me. All right. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you've discovered the IT crowd, and and uh, maybe you'll never love it as much as me. But at least you know maybe why I love it now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I also did a little digging on. You mentioned while we were doing the Tournament of Fools that. There was an American version of the yeah. IT crowd. I, I found it on YouTube. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I then read a news article that they've actually tried it twice so far. 
So there's that one that they did a couple of episodes for. There's another one that they did a pilot for that never aired. But NBC has a, another version coming out in next season. Man. They're trying a third time. But from what I understand, they've actually got the original writer, Graham Linehan, mm-hmm. uh, writing this new version for next season on NBC. You know, I'd love to see him doing something else. Um uh, or, you know, to do, see something else that he's written. We discovered Black Books on Netflix a while ago, which was uh, the series that he did. I don't know if it was immediately preceding IT Crowd, but before IT Crowd. And very, you can very much tell it's it's very kind of formulaic in terms of there's a very small cast there. You know, it's in a bookshop instead of the basement of a corporation, but uh, it's very similar formula with like, you know, maybe three core characters. They play off each other really well. And uh, it kind of goes from the very mundane, good character stuff to the really over-the-top crazy comedy. So it's a it's a good one to check out, but it's, it's not nearly as good. But it's interesting to see some of the same concepts that work in the IT crowd as they were getting fleshed out. So Black Books is uh, worth another check if you, if you want it a little bit more by Graham Linehan. All right. My turn then to give you something for next week. All right. What's it going to be? I thought I would go somewhere different from where we have been. I don't know why I was thinking. You know why I was thinking about this? Now I know the source. It was Groot in Infinity War playing that little Defenders (laughs) handheld game. Okay. So I want to go back to consoles and arcades which is going to take us back to high school era yeah and your top three arcade console games and why cool so arcade or console stand up arcade games cool not at home but something that existed and was played in an arcade interesting well i certainly did a lot of that a lot of that (laughs) so shall we close it out Okay, I think that's just about going to do us for this week. You can catch us every Wednesday at totallysortof.com for new episodes or in the Podbean app. You can also find us on iTunes and in the Google Play Store and supposedly at some point on Spotify. At some point. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a comment or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram at totallysortof or email us at hello at totallysortof.com. Even better, leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, in the Google Store, or comment right onto our website. Our intro song is Punk and is used by kind permission from the artist K. Bona Black. You can find a link to him as well as to other stuff that we've talked about in the show notes on the site. So until next time, I'm Chris McInnes. And I'm Darren Hogan. And you have been listening to the Totally Sort of Podcast. Talk to you later, buddy. You bet, pal.